Welcome to the CME CE podcast. Let's talk MRSA. 20 frequently asked questions. Please review the complete CME CE information at www.mrsa20faqs.com. This podcast is designed to clarify frequently asked questions in serious MRSA infections that pose a threat to patient safety and add to the healthcare burden. Episodes released weekly are structured into four learning modules. Learners can apply for credit after reviewing each learning module. This is the third learning module, Clinical Tactics for MRSA Infections. There are seven episodes in this learning module. This is the first episode. In this episode, Dr. Thomas Fowler, Jr. from Northeastern Ohio University's College of Medicine, Rootstown, Ohio, shares his clinical experience. Thank you, Dr. File, for taking the time to speak with us on this serious topic. The previous podcast episodes have discussed the changing epidemiology of MRSA infections in the community and hospital setting, as well as how to optimize the use of vancomycin. What we would like to discuss now are the strategies clinicians can use to better manage patients with these infections. In this episode, we would like to discuss skin and soft tissue infections caused by this pathogen. So, Dr. File, my first question to you is, when considering patients coming to hospitals or primary care offices with a skin infection, has there been a general increase in the percentage of these patients with an MRSA infection over the past few years? Well, yes, actually, there's been a gigantic change over the past decade uh, in the incidence of MRSA in the community in patients who present either with serious infections requiring admission to the hospital or even with mild pyodermas who present to an ambulatory setting. And, of course, this has been due to the emergence of this community-associated MRSA strain, which is genetically different from the traditional MRSA strains, which have been previously seen predominantly in the healthcare settings. Now, having said this, interesting, uh, it's of interest to note that uh, there's a recent report from CDC which showed a decreasing rate of invasive healthcare-associated MRSA infections in the community in the healthcare setting. And the reason for this is I don't think is entirely clear, but it may be due to an increased awareness of these strains and therefore increased surveillance, isolation, and perhaps decolonization. But nevertheless, having said this, still today, the predominant strains of Staph aureus, both in the hospital and in the community setting, are MRSA. And we as clinicians need to keep this in mind when assessing patients with possible Staph aureus infections. Okay, so you mentioned a little bit about the, uh, the changing epidemiology of MRSA. Um, can you tell us what were the traditional risk factors for skin infections caused by community-associated MRSA and healthcare-acquired MRSA? And do these risk factors still apply for today's infections? Well, first, you know, let me address the difference between community-associated and healthcare or hospital-associated MRSA because there's two primary factors uh, that have been utilized for differentiation. And, and one of them is the time of infection isolation in relationship to hospitalization, and the other is the presence or absence of uh, MRSA-related uh, risk factors. And generally, uh, MRSA infections that are isolated after two to three days of, of hospitalization to a healthcare facility, uh, or those that were present at the time of admission uh, in a recently discharged patient, or even patients who are transferred from lung care uh, facilities, are considered hospital-acquired or hospital-associated. Uh, but the current criteria set forth by CDC for distinguishing community-associated from healthcare-associated include 
the diagnosis or isolation of MRSA, which is made in an outpatient setting or is made shortly after admission to a hospital and there's been no medical history of association within the preceding year with a healthcare facility. And this even includes dialysis units or outpatient surgery, certainly hospitals or admission to a uh, extended care facility or even a hospice. Uh, so these are basically the ways that we define the difference between uh, healthcare associated and community associated. Now, for the risk factors, uh, specifically for uh, community associated, there's a variety uh, of them, and, and many uh, use the list of the six C's, and that stands for contact, which means uh, close contact with others skin-to-skin uh, -skin who have uh, either infection or colonization uh, with uh, community associated strains. Uh, number two would be cleanliness, or really uncleanliness, because hygiene is a big factor here. Uh, if there's any compromise of skin integrity, such as abrasions or ulcerations, these are risk factors for the MRSA strains. And then any contaminated objects or surfaces or items, such as towels or washcloths, in, in which uh, uh, staph oils may be present. And then crowding, I mean, this is a big risk factor. And then capsules, and capsules just refer to the use of antimicrobial agents. So this is a risk factor for selecting out for, for MRSA. And then if you look at the groups of patients who are at risk for these, they include many, such as prisoners in, in correctional facilities, athletes, particularly those involved in contact sports because of the skin-to-skin -skin contact, uh, military recruits, Native Americans, injection drug users, men who have sex with men, and then those who attend daycare centers. And of course, those would predominantly be children. But having said this, uh, I can tell you that uh, even if you don't have any of these risk factors, the prevalence of community-associated MRSA is so high in the community that anybody who presents with an uh, infection compatible uh, with being due to staph, it has to be considered uh, due to uh, MRSA. Um, now, the distinction that I mentioned earlier between community-associated and, ho and hospital-associated uh, from at least an epidemiologic perspective is blurring uh, because there are so many cases now that are admitted to the hospital from the community that unfortunately it's being spread within the hospital, uh, so that a lot of nosocomial strains uh, are due to this community-associated MRSA. So in light of this, then, uh, this epidemiologic distinction is becoming less well-defined. Okay, so um, so in regards to this blurring of the, uh, the community-associated versus the hospital um, healthcare-acquired MRSA strains, is there a convenient method to differentiate between these two types of strains? Well, I, would, I wish there was. There really is not a, a convenient way to absolutely differentiate them. The most accurate way is via molecular diagnostic tests, but these certainly are not going to be uh, convenient for most practitioners uh, in, the, in their uh, outpatient settings. Uh, the community-associated strains are, are distinct from the hospital-associated strains from both a, a genotypic and phenotypic perspective. And at the genetic level, uh, the community-associated strain is distinguished uh, by a specific gene, that the staphylococcal cassette chromosomal MEK-A gene, and this is a gene that encodes for methicillin uh, resistance, uh, and it's a specific type 4 uh, gene, which is smaller in size than the gene cassette found in most hospital-acquired strains. Now, this smaller size may allow for more efficient transfer of resistance among different bacteria, and this may be a factor which may be relevant 
in the significant rapid emergence of this uh, as it's spread in the community. And the potential for these community-associated strains to cause serious illness is further emphasized by their production of relatively greater number of virulence factors. And one of these that is well recognized is this panton valentin leukocytin gene. Uh, and this produces cytotoxins, which is often associated with tissue necrosis and white cell uh, destruction. And then the other differentiation from a molecular standpoint is one can do pulse field electrophoresis of strains, and uh, at least with the community-associated strain, most of these are from a single clone, which is referred to as the USA 300 clone. So these are sort of three molecular uh, techniques that can be used to specifically identify uh, the community-associated uh, strain. And I think perhaps in the future, as more laboratories have the ability to do this, this would be the optimal way to differentiate these. Now, having said this, now there are some surrogate markers that many use uh, to try to differentiate community-associated strains from hospital-associated, and these are the antimicrobial susceptibility patterns. Uh, but I must acknowledge that this is not all that accurate. But we do know that if an MRSA strain is susceptible to, for example, drugs like tetracycline, clindamycin, and trimethoprim sulfa, uh, it's more likely to be a community-associated strain than a hospital-associated strain. Okay. Um, so then my, my follow-up question then is, in the absence of a convenient um, or practical way to differentiate between these two strains, is it even necessary or helpful for a clinician to devote time and resources to try to make this distinction? Well, you know, there does appear to be a different spectrum of disease caused by community-associated and uh, hospital-associated strains. So it can be important in many ways. Uh, for example, the, the patients uh, with community-associated tend to be significantly younger uh, than those infected with uh, traditional strains uh, of MRSA from the hospital. Uh, and unlike uh, the traditional MRSA strains that are often isolated from bloodstream and respiratory and urinary tract, uh, community-associated strains are typically found uh, on the skin uh, and, and soft tissues predominantly. Um, and and of, it, of interest, because the skin infections due to community-associated strains often have a necrotic center, many of these infections have been mistaken for spider bites. So now when anybody comes to me saying they've got these spider bites, to me it's MRSA uh, from this community-associated strain uh, more likely than, than a spider bite. And of course, uh, it signals me to, to look for that. Now, another clinically important differentiation between community-associated and hospital-associated, and therefore a reason to make this distinction, is that, as I mentioned earlier, the, the hospital-associated strains tend to be more multidrug resistant uh, to different classes of antimicrobials uh, compared to the community-associated strain. So the community-associated strain are usually susceptible uh, to uh, drugs other than uh, beta-lactams and, and erythromycin. Uh, so this is another way that it's important for the clinician to be aware so that they can choose appropriate empiric antimicrobial agents. Well, that is all the time we have for today. Thank you, Dr. File, for giving us some important insights on this very difficult pathogen. And I ask the audience to please join us for subsequent discussions to learn how we can better manage patients with difficult MRSA infections. Thank you.